So uh, I'm going to go from one verse today. If you have your Bibles, go, to, go with me to one, uh, 1 Corinthians 16.9. It says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. I want to talk to you today about a great open door. A great open door. The Apostle Paul is in Corinthians uh, when he's writing this letter to the church. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he's writing a letter to the Corinthians. And he's giving them instructions about this special collection that he's taken up. And uh, he also shares his upcoming plans. Paul was raising money for the Christians living in Jerusalem. They were suffering persecution and poverty because of their faith. And Paul was collecting money from these churches that he helped establish, including this church in Corinth. And he told him, he said, listen, I would love to come see you. As a matter of fact, I am going to come and visit you, but just not right now. Right? And the reason he couldn't go right now was because he was in Ephesus at the time. And we know this because the verse before this in uh, Corinthians 16, 8, I didn't give you that verse, but it just says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. And then he says, for a great and effective door is opening to me, and there are many adversaries. A lot of times we, we think that we want to see this great revival just break out in different parts of the country or different parts of the world, and, and, and we feel like, or we feel like we should go out in the different places and win souls, as many souls as we can for the Lord. And, and that's great. Like, that's what we want to do, because the Great Commission is for us to go out and make disciples of all the nations. But the Apostle Paul found that at this point in time, that the great place of service for him was right where he was, was right where he was. Where else could you, could you find a greater field to work in than right where you are? Start where you are, right? On the day of Pentecost, they began at Jerusalem, then they spread out from there. I mean, look at the field around you. Look at the field around you. It's ripe all around you. There's a great open door right where you are. First, look at, look at, your, look at, look at where you are. Look at the great opportunity that we have in our own family. What a great open door, right? So many times we forget that, that our first responsibility, especially as parents, is to win our own children to the Lord. One of the most quoted verses about parenting is found in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Mom, Dad, that, that's, your, that's your great open door. We get so busy just trying to witness to somebody on the other side of town that we neglect, we tend to neglect our own households. And our household is, is, is an open door that needs to be entered for us to evangelize them. It's an awesome responsibility to bring our children, bring them up in the nurturing and the counseling of the Lord. If you don't invite your children to the table, the enemy will. If you don't invite them up to the table and sit them down, 
he will gladly take them by the hand, pull out a chair, put a napkin around their neck, and serve up the best entrees that he's got. And if they're not being fed at home, they will eat it. They will eat every bite of it. They'll lick it up. That's our great open door. How often are we touching and agreeing with our own children? How often are we praying with our kids before they go to school? How often are we reading devotionals and scripture with them? By our own faithfulness, what kind of sermons are you preaching in your own household? Your, your, your life is the greatest sermon that you will ever preach. My sister-in-law, uh, Pastor Michelle's sister, she has been calling and praying for her grandson ever since he was three years old. He's 13. He's 13 now. She hasn't missed a night. She hasn't missed a night. Now, he calls her before he goes to sleep. That little boy don't know how else to end his night but on his knees. He don't know how else to end it. I just found out that my wife has threads with our kids. She, she sends these, these texts to, to our kids. You know, some of them are different than others. Some of them are weirder. You know, that's just the reality of it. So she knows which ones not to overwhelm with Scripture or just encouragement. And so she spreads it out with all of them. But she never lets the door close. She never lets it close. We live in a place, it's a great open door at work. At work, wherever you work. Like we, we live in a place that's free. We, we live in this place that, that we can pray. We live in a place that we can study the Word of God and share the Word of God and not be thrown in prison or killed for it. That, that's, a, that's a reality. That's a real reality for some people right now, today. And we have this privilege of having this open door in front of us to freely share the good news and freely share the love of Christ with those people who are around us. Listen, his love should compel us. His love should compel us to walk through the door. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us. Paul is saying it should He's saying it should control us, right? I love the way it says it in the New English Bible. It says that the love of Christ leaves us no choice. It leaves us no choice. It's like, it's like you should be thinking, I am so loved. Like, I'm so loved. I'm so blown away at how much he loves me that it compels me. That's what compels me. It leaves me no choice but to go out and tell somebody. Like, have you ever eaten at a restaurant and the food was so good and the price was so good that you can't help but to take a picture of it and send it to somebody? Right? Like, just telling them, like, you got to eat here. You got to eat here, guys. There's a big difference between that and walking in the mall Receiving chicken from a, a guy who's handing it out because it's his job, you know? Here, try it. It's delicious. 
There's a huge difference. I believe because so many of us are not compelled by the love of Christ to walk through the open door and share the gospel, this is why the world doesn't see the church as compelling. There's so many people that you can reach that I can't. There's so many people that you know that everybody else doesn't know. Some of you work in places where you you see hundreds of people a day. Some of you work in places where you only see a few. But wherever you are, wherever you are, there's a great open door that God has given you to spread the gospel. Then Paul says that it's it's effective. It's effective. It's, it's, It's not only open, but but it's effective. In other words, God's promising results. He's promising results to you. So many times we put all the pressure on ourselves thinking that, that winning souls is entirely up to us, but it isn't. It isn't. People think to themselves, like, I can't do that, and you're right. You can't do it. I can't do it. The only person who can win a soul is Jesus Christ. What we can do is we can plant the seed. We can water the seed. But God gives the increase. Amen? The power, the power is in the gospel. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It's it's not me. It's Christ in me. It's not you. It's Christ in you. It's the word. It's the scriptures. Take all the pressure off of yourself. God promises results. Jesus, he didn't say, follow me and and let's just see what happens. Right? No, no, no. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There is no excuse. Success is promised. You think what you're doing right now is good? You want to see greatness in your life? You want to see transformation in your life? You want to see healing in your life? Follow Jesus. He's the door. Follow Jesus. You want a happy home? Walk through the door. You want to see your family restored? Walk through the open door. You want to see change in your environment? Walk through this great open door. Paul spent years trying to get through the city of Ephesus, and no matter what he did, the doors remained closed. He worked hard, he prayed, he fasted. No matter what he did, there was no progress in Ephesus. There was no result. There were, there were no, no souls being saved. And I love when the Bible communicates these things to us. Like, they don't try to polish up a turd. Like, it's, the Bible is very real to us. And I love it because a lot of times in our lives, we've been praying and, and we've been fasting and, and we've been trusting God. But there's, in, there's areas in our lives where we don't see progress or we don't see results, and we don't understand. We don't understand. We say, God, I don't understand why I don't see any results, anything happening in this area of my life. But Paul is saying, finally, he's saying, he's just letting us know that the atmosphere is changing in Ephesus, that this resistance that was there is ceasing, and that the gospel and the believer's prayers are causing the door of the city The doors that were closed, they're beginning to open up. 
It was a door that would actually turn into one of Paul's greatest works. Ephesus would become known as one of the greatest churches in the first century. And Paul says it's an effective door. Results are guaranteed. Knowing this, we should be a, we should be a missionary in our families. Knowing this, we should be a missionary at our jobs. We should be a missionary in our communities. A missionary right where you are. Because he promises results. But watch. Paul says, even though there's a great open door, and even though it's an effective door, he says there's going to be many adversaries. There's many adversaries. So you have to know. You just have to know that there's going to be adversaries. If, if, if you know, then you'll prepare for it. Right? So he's telling us there will be many adversaries. And we already know that the devil is against us and, and the world isn't designed for us. It's designed for our destruction. If you didn't know, now you know. But one of the greatest adversaries to come against us is the flesh. It, it's your flesh. Right? The old Adam nature. I don't care if you've been saved or not. You'll always war with the flesh. If you're doing anything for God, you will always war with the flesh. It's always trying to hinder you. The other day I was just, uh, I think it was Wednesday, I was studying for this, for this message. And I was, um, you know, I came from, up, from upstairs. I was praying. I'm telling you, I think I was glowing when I came downstairs. But, <laughs> but I came downstairs and I went to go study. And... No sooner than I sat down, I heard, hey, man, you should go check your Facebook Marketplace account. <laughs> now, I knew, <laughs> now, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what my spirit actually wanted to do. But my flesh said, you better go get this $75. $75. $75. I got up and I'm, I, Pastor Ron, I'm up in here measuring exhaust pipes and, and taking pictures of the inside of purses and I'm talking to people back and forth. Man, I robbed myself of two hours and didn't even sell nothing. This stuff was on, on the marketplace for, since Sunday. No, no, no. You, you got $40. <laughs> it's the flesh. It's the flesh. Or, or has God ever put somebody on your heart and, and you go to text them and, and, or call them and you pick up your phone and your thumb has a mind of its own and it opens up social media or, or crossword puzzle game and you find yourself there for a couple of hours. I know I'm not alone. It, it's the flesh. Listen, spiritual duties are always at war with the flesh. The flesh, the flesh does not want to compromise at all. It doesn't want to compromise. One of the hardest things to do if you are not spiritually disciplined is to pray. Is to simply pray. The flesh don't want to. It doesn't want to pray. Some people would rather walk around this room right now and cluck like a duck than to pray for an hour. But can I tell you, 
The most anointed time in this room is from 9.35 to 10 a.m. From 9.35 to 10 a.m. This is when the saints call out on the name of the Lord, okay? This is when the Spirit of the Lord fills this room before you even get here. When we have spirit-to-spirit fellowship with the Lord right here. But for most... The spirit, the flesh doesn't want to. They don't want to get up that early. They don't want to get up 30 minutes early, right? That's contrary to the flesh. It's contrary to the flesh. The flesh is an adversary to the work of God. We can stand around and talk about this, that, and the other thing for a whole hour, but when it comes down to spending time with the Lord in prayer, it's difficult. It's so difficult. Let me tell you, this is why prayer is so difficult. Prayer is so difficult because humbling ourselves and, and coming to the end of our stubborn, sinful selves is just hard. It's hard. That's why our flesh fights against it so much. It fights against praying. It's because when we bend our knees, our sins seem to fly back in our face. You ever, you ever notice that? Your sins begin to fly back in your face. So before we can have effective prayer, first we need to confess our sins to God. The psalmist, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Listen, the first thing the sheep sees when he looks into still waters is his own reflection. That's what he sees. He sees his own reflection. The first thing that we see when we bend our knees is our own reflection. And because we may not like what we see, our flesh wants to just avoid it. But in order to have effective prayers and see a change in your environment, we have to confess and deal with our sins so that it doesn't hinder us in the throne room of God. The flesh, the flesh always wants to take the easy way out. Like, if you, have you ever seen an overview picture of a creek? Show, Tim, show me those pictures. You ever seen the, just an overhead picture of a creek? Show me the other one. Yeah. Notice one thing about the creek. The creek never runs in a straight line to the river. Right? It never runs. It, it always zigzags. You know what it's doing? It's taking the path of least resistance. It's finding a lower point, and, and it'll go there. And then it'll find, find another lower point, and, and it'll go over there. Right? It never, never takes the shorter path or the harder path like over a hill. It's always choosing the path of least resistance. And that's the way some of us live our lives. We take the path of least resistance. It's harder to get up and get to church on Sunday morning than it is to lay in bed, right? It's easier just to stay at home, shuffle around in your PJs, watch service online, sit on the couch and eat you a bowl of Raisin Bran. It's easier. 
right? The flesh always wants to take the easy way out. This is why you need to pray. This is why you need to stay in the face of Jesus. This is why you got to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what your flesh is saying, we got to get up and seek Jesus. Regardless of what your flesh is saying, you need to walk in the Spirit. Regardless of what your flesh is telling you, we need to get up and gather together. Take advantage of the open doors that are being placed right here before us. It's the only way that we're going to see revival in our lives. Paul tells us that when we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I'm here to tell you today, just to remind you that the blood is the only way. Right? It's only the blood. The blood tore the veil. The blood gave us full access. The blood made all of your crooked and zigzag lines and, 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 and crooked paths, it'll make it straight again. The blood washes away all of your sins. It's because of the blood. What stood between all the, the closed doors at Ephesus and this revival that would mark history, Paul says, was a door. It was a door that Paul was being called to walk through. It was a great door. It was an effective door. The problem was that that there were going to be many adversaries on the other side of it. And Paul just had to make a choice. He had to make a choice whether he was going to walk through this door or not. The word Greek, the the word great in Greek means, it means sizable or mega. The word effective means powerful or energy. And he says that that it was open to me. That just means that this was a door that was uniquely open to Paul, right? So this was a great, mega, powerful door that was unique to Paul and Paul alone. And if he didn't walk through it, it would hinder the gospel from influencing history. But, but if he would just discern the moment and discern the time and walk through this great and powerful door, he'd end up changing all of history. Like the Bible doesn't say that that it possibly, it was going to possibly open up. It says that it was open, that this opportunity was right in front of them. And and I just believe in my heart that, that, that right here, right now, at Church on the North Coast, that there's a great, powerful door that's available that's unique to us, right? There's doors that are unique to me, and, and there's doors that, that are unique to you that make all of us responsible to hear from God. It makes all of us responsible to have a vision and walk through the doors that God's calling us to walk through. But we can't do that at home on a couch. We can't do it at home. We can't do it if we're not available, if you haven't made yourself available to God. See, something happens in this atmosphere when we gather. When we're here together, something happens. And we have to recognize that, that, that it isn't just a pastor's door that opens up. It's all of our doors. It's, it's available to us. I have my grace. You have your grace. I have my abilities. You have your abilities. Right? You have what you can bring to the table. I have what I can bring to the table. And I think we can all say that, that we're thankful that someone's bringing what they have to the table. Right now, our kids are downstairs being ministered to. Thank God for what Michaela is bringing to the table. 
I thank God for our worship team. The people that know how to sing are up here singing. That I don't have to sing. Or that you don't have to come up here and sing. I didn't hear some of y'all sing behind me. <laughs> are you singing? I used to go to this little Baptist church in Lorraine, and um, the choir was made up of all the old saints. And they would come up and they'd get on the risers, they had their robes on, and they would get to swaying. <laughs> you know, and the choir director would be up there, and then they would just go off. Jesus loved the little children, all of the children of the world. Green and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loved the little children of the world. I was like, boo-boo, that is not your calling. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but thank you. I'm thankful for our worship team that I don't have to get up here. Right? And I believe that God is calling us, right? He's calling us through doors to change the atmospheres in our homes. He's calling us through doors to reach out to our city. He's calling us through doors right now to reach out to the region right now. This is why the vision of 30,000, I believe, is, is so important. Just, just bringing one person, bringing one person to connect with the body of Christ can completely change or save a life. I don't know what it did for you, but I know it saved my life. I know for sure that it saved my life. If I wasn't here right now, I would be dead. It saved my life. There's people that are in your house right now, at your job, in your community, that need to know what you know. They need to hear it. They need to, to feel the love of Christ that fills you. They just need to know what you know. Just look around right where you are. Ask God. Ask him to open up the eyes of your heart. Tell him that you want your heart to hurt for what his heart, his heart hurts for. Tell him that you want to see people the way that he sees them. And when you do this, when you begin to do this with a pure heart, he will begin to open these unique doors that are available only to you. So how do we know if an open door is from God? The door God opens will never contradict his word. The door he opens will never contradict his word. Some Christians see opportunities to make more money as an open door from God, even though if the opportunity means it'll keep them from regular fellowship or services in church. But Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as in the manner of some. God's word tells us not to neglect meeting together for worship. You see, our problems that we have, our problems, they're, they're no excuse to miss church. Right? Because of our problems, because of our difficulties, it should make a greater impact on us to come and gather together, to touch and agree. 
Some people believe that, that, that God opened up a door for a relationship. Even though it meant being in a situation where they were unequally yoked with an unbeliever. But scripture warns us in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. When, when Pastor Michelle first met me, I think Pastor Troy told the story last week. Um, by the way, yes, I did go get ice cream at midnight. Uh, um, when she first met me, uh, well, she didn't meet me, but Pastor Troy showed me a picture, and they, got, they talked, and um, one of the first questions she asked was she said, Do you know, does he know Jesus? And Pastor, me and Pastor Troy hadn't seen each other for 15 years. And, you know, she said, he said, you know, I don't know. And Pastor Becca was just up there rooting for me. She was like, I don't know either, but he's a really nice guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so later on, she said that Pastor Troy doubled back around on that conversation. And he told her, he said, hey, listen, that Marlon... He's my best friend. He's, that's my brother. But don't you ever compromise your relationship with Jesus for no man. You hear me, ladies? Don't you ever compromise your relationship with Jesus for no man. Your self-worth don't come from no man. Don't ever compromise that relationship. God ain't going to walk you to a door that contradicts what he clearly says in his word. Nor will he open a door that will require you to compromise or be disobedient in order for you to enter that door. If there is a compromise in any way, or you have to bend scripture just to justify your open door, most likely it ain't a door that God's opening for us. I call anything that contradicts his word a temptation rather than an open door from God. And God's word clearly says that, that God ain't going to tempt us. He's going to test you, but he won't tempt you. The door that God opens will require you to depend on him, on him and him alone. Right? God is never going to give us something that will alienate us from him. It's not going to alienate us from him or make us believe that we no longer need him. He's a God of relationship, a God who insists on being first in our lives. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, if you find yourself saying that I can't do this unless God goes with me, or I can do this, but only with God's help, I'd say from personal experience, that it's most likely a door that God is opening for you. Most times, an open door from God is a door that allows our faith simply to be stretched and tested. His objective is to grow you. His objective is to grow us to look more and more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and let me close. So this week, this week I challenge you just to stay full. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. 
Like there are so many doors that are available to you right around you. If you stay full of the Holy Spirit, he'll show it to you. He'll open your eyes and he'll show you those doors. Ask the Lord for discernment. Ask him for discernment as each opportunity presents itself to you. When it does, I encourage you to just walk through it with faith. Walk through it with faith, expecting for the power of God just to be released in your life, released in your house, released at your job, released in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter what adversary attempts to steal the victory of God, there ain't no devil in hell that can shut a door that God has opened up. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you send a great and effective door of opportunity before us. Help us to recognize when doors are open, Lord. Our desire is just to appreciate you for what you've done in our lives and what you're going to do, Father. We just appreciate your spirit. We're thankful for your spirit, God. Help us to discern when it's you and when it's not you. We don't want to randomly choose doors this week, God. We want the unique doors that you've made for us. And we don't want to enter without your presence, God. As we enter these doors, Father, I ask, Father, that you would just help us enter with faith and expectations, Father, that your power, your power will be released over us. We thank you this week, Lord. We thank you and we bless you, Father. We ask that you would continue to be the light to our path, Father, the lamp to our feet. We love you and we bless you. In your matchless name we pray. Amen. If you guys, yeah, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Um, if you need prayer, we have some of our pastors and altar ministers up here. We would love to pray with you. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, do that today. We have some people who want to pray with you and would love to talk to you about that today. I want to thank all of you guys for being here. Remember to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. I love you guys.